the benefit of movement far outstrips any benefit you'll get from just burning energy or just losing body fat, which I thought was fascinating. So actually just moving all the time is more important than, say, focusing on doing a hit session or, you know, specifically trying to lose body fat. Women Like You, the podcast for women who hate working out, but know they should. I'm Sarah, I'm a GP, and I work in fertility and women's health. And I'm Gab, I'm an audio producer and journalist. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land we're on today and pay our respects to their elders past and present. Does gardening count as exercise? You know, on the Women Like You pod, we're all about finding ways to get more physical activity into our day without it feeling like a chore or a prescribed workout. So if you're elbow deep in soil, potting, weeding and digging in the dirt, does that count towards your daily 22 minutes of physical activity? I love gardening. <laughs> I know it's you like, do. <laughs> it's, it's so, it's, but it's so weird because I remember when I was, you know, when I was much younger, um, I just thought it was the most boring thing Dull? that you could do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I just didn't understand why my parents and my grandparents were so into it. And then it's just like something something clicked over. I think it was probably once I was living out of home. Yeah. And uh, and the older I get, the more I love it. So if we can uh, if we can sign off on our little gardening practice as being a physical activity that counts towards being sufficiently active, then I am here for it. Sign me up. Because that's the thing, you know, like you've obviously – You've moved to the country. I should, you know, it's the mountains, but, you know, I'll yes. call it the country. Uh, and you've got more space now. And I know that, you know, getting into some gardening is, is a big oh, plan absolutely. of yours. That's, that was kind of a, a big, big part of the decision to leave apartment life in the city. Um, and but I will say, apartment life in the city, you freaking nailed the garden situation because you had, you know, at your old place, uh, a pretty great little courtyard. It wasn't huge, you know, in terms of space. No. But you made have, the most of that space. It didn't have great sun, which was uh, which was very disappointing. But we did. We made the most of it. We had fruit trees in pots. Yeah, we had, fruit trees uh, in, a, in, a, in a courtyard, in a townhouse, you know, apartment. Like, oh, it was is, incredible. There is nothing better than eating like a, a tomato that you grew yourself or an apricot that you grew yourself. It is, it is a, yeah, it, it's something really special. And, uh, and hopefully today might also encourage others to, to get their hands dirty, get, get stuck into some dirt because there are plenty of health benefits that go along with gardening, which we will get into. Yes, please do. So doctor, tell me, is gardening exercise? <laughs> I always just want to go, yes, moving yeah. on. Um, yeah, look, I think it feels instinctive to most of us that gardening is good for our health, but we'll have a look at a bit of the evidence around this. So there's a few really interesting studies that I've, uh, I've pulled out today. The first is a South Korean study published in the Journal of Horticultural Science, um, and that found that some gardening tasks qualify as moderate to high intensity physical activity. Oh. So, like, we're just, boom, we're straight in with the fact that this is not just something that's, you know, nice for your mental health or, or you know, delightful to be outdoors a little bit more. But this study showed that it does qualify as moderate and high-intensity exercise. When the researchers measured their results, they found that all of the tasks that they looked into were considered moderate to high-intensity and some of the activities were a bit more intense than others. So if you want to really get stuck into high-intensity gardening, yep. you are going to want to start digging. That was the highest-intensity job. 
followed by raking, weeding, mulching, hoeing. Hoeing. <laughs> what are we like planting wheat? <laughs> <laughs> hoeing the wheat in the in the fields, yeah, hoeing and sowing, harvesting, watering, and mixing growing medium. So all of these things basically were were from highest to lowest intensity. But even their lowest intensity exercises or gardening exercise that they looked at was still considered moderate. Wow. So I thought that that was quite interesting. I think they just said that planting. Um, Planting transplants, so literally planting tiny seedlings, was pretty much the lowest intensity job that they looked at. Yep. Um, the next one is uh, is a meta-analysis from 2017. This was published in the Journal of Preventative Medicine Reports, and it's actually one of the only large-scale meta-analyses of the positive impact of gardening on health. They synthesized data from 22 case studies, and these were from all over the world, United States, Europe, Asia, the Middle East, and overall, the results suggested that participating in gardening activities had a really positive impact on health. The positive association with gardening was observed for a wide range of health outcomes, including reduction in depression and anxiety symptoms, improvements in stress levels, improvements in mood, and reduction in BMI, as well as generalized increase in quality of life, sense of community, and physical activity levels. Um, And they went as far as to say that it can also improve your cognitive function. So there's some pretty big ticket items there. Another study that I really loved was from the uh, the British Journal of Sports Medicine that showed that low-level physical activities such as gardening are associated with a reduced risk of death from heart disease. What? So so not only not only will it make you feel good, but this particular study that it showed that people who engaged in gardening for less than 1 hour per week reduced their risk of death from heart disease by 12%. <sighs> And those that engaged in these activities for more than two hours per week reduced their risk of death from heart disease by 37%. I love 37%. that 37%. Yes. Yikes. So, and, and again, like when we're, when we're talking gardening here, we're obviously talking about pretty pretty moderate to sometimes vigorous yes. intensity. Not necessarily Not just watering your indoor plants. <laughs> But, you know, if you are you know, digging up garden beds, if you're out there physically weeding, mowing lawns, all of that sort of stuff. Pushing a wheelbarrow. Yeah. Yeah, that is getting your heart rate up, then absolute reduction in deaths from heart disease. <sighs> Huge. All right. Here's, here's an important one, particularly for the women out there. Digging in dirt can help enhance bone density. What? So there was a study from the University of Arkansas, and this was quite a big study. They looked at over 3,000 women who are aged 50 and older, and those that gardened or did yard work at least once per week had higher bone density measurements than those that were sedentary or those that were physically active, but their physical activity was in the form of jogging, walking, swimming, or aerobics. So basically, the, the study showed that the improvement in bone density was consistent with weight training, and we already know that that weight training and and you know load bearing exercise can improve women's or well, women and men's bone density. Mm. But yeah, this one showed that gardening has that same positive effect on your bones. Digging in the dirt. I love Dig that. it up, baby. Dig it up. <laughs> All right. The fifth study that I have for you was a study of older adults that was published in PLOS One, and it showed that vitamin D levels were significantly higher in individuals who engaged in outdoor pastimes, including gardening. I think they were looking at gardening and outdoor cycling as their two outdoor activities. Mm-hmm. Um 
and their vitamin D levels were significantly higher than those people that were not spending time in the outdoors, 25% higher in women and about 27% higher in men. And I think the reason why this is so important is because we know that vitamin D is so important. It's it's an it's a nutrient that we get from foods that we eat, but it's also a hormone that we synthesize ourselves. And uh, look, it's you know we know that it has a really important role in uh, in its ability to to work with our with our bones essentially to retain calcium and phosphorus, which leads to stronger bones. So if you're thinking that. Digging increases your yeah. bone density and digging outside increases your vitamin D levels, then we know that it's going to have a really important role in your in your long-term bone health. And vitamin D is also an interesting one. It definitely falls into that category of, you know, more research is needed. But we know that there are vitamin D receptors in lots of different tissues in our body beyond just our bones. We don't entirely understand why there are vitamin D receptors in all of these other places. But there are certainly, um, you know, there's there's ongoing research looking at vitamin D in in cancer cells, vitamin D in uh, liver function. So there's, you know, we we know that vitamin D is very important for our bones. It's likely to be very important for other aspects of our health. And getting outside means that we're going to synthesize more vitamin D, particularly as we get older. Wow! So we're we're like photosynthesizing our own, yeah, pretty uh, much vitamin D. Uh, I love that, and also, I mean, presumably, if we've got these receptors, uh, they're there for a reason, right? They're doing we, something. Yeah, we just don't there. we just don't entirely know what they are doing yet. Yet, yet. And uh, and my last my last little dot point is is not a scientific journal. But it's an interesting book that you can uh, that you can find. <laughs> There's a book out there which is called Aerobic Gardening um, by the author <laughs> Jeffrey Rusticcio. Yep, and uh, and he claims that he can teach you how to transform traditional gardening into aerobic gardening. Yep. Uh, apparently, he utilizes concepts and techniques from martial arts, from aerobics, from strength training to create what he calls aerobic gardening or power gardening. It sounds very sounds sounds very northern hemisphere. Sounds very yeah. American. But um, <laughs> I loved there was one particular exercise that he has developed, which I just loved the name of, which is called the lunge and weed. Um, lunge and weed. So lunge this, and weed. So it's pretty much based on kind of a walking lunge that you might already be familiar with, or a deep lunge. Yeah. Um, and he said that he came up with the idea after observing people at the gym lunging forward with one leg bent whilst holding a dumbbell in both hands. I think something that you've been doing quite a bit of yourself lately. Yeah. Um, and so to do this particular lunge and weed activity, um, you just want to rest, like if you are right-handed, so if you're weeding with your right hand. You want to rest your left arm on your left knee whilst you're down in a lunge. Yep. And uh, and then I guess, depending on your dexterity, you might want to switch that over so that you're exercising both sides equally. He also has another book, which is called Get Fit Through Gardening. Um, and look, ultimately, I don't think anybody needs to race out and buy the book. Um, <laughs> sorry. Sort of sorry. Says, says what it does on the tin, I suppose. So, yeah. Sorry, Jeffrey. Um <laughs> But I think it's just it it can be really helpful when we we're talking, you know, in last week's episode about fitness snacking and about the importance of recognizing how much incidental exercise you may well already be doing. Um, I just I think that if we if if you are a lover of gardening or if you've got that capacity now that we're in spring in the southern hemisphere to to spend a little bit more time, you know, digging in the dirt outdoors, you know, this can absolutely 
be counted towards your 22 minutes of moderate intensity exercise per day, and it will help you be sufficiently active. So yes, it's a big tick. Gardening is absolutely exercise. Some forms of gardening are much higher intensity. Some forms of gardening are much lower intensity, but there is, you know, there is solid research that, uh, that gardening can help your cardiovascular health, your bone health, your mental health. I think it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's worth it. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, the other thing, just to pick up your point about the vitamin D um, aspect there as well, is uh, it, it reminds me of the episode of Huberman Lab where he talks about um, the importance of light and daily sunlight, particularly yes. morning sunlight to set your circadian rhythm, that kind of thing. Mm. Um, one of the aspects of that episode that's really interesting, it's not just about getting that vital morning sunlight to kind of set your clock. Um, apparently, we have a light hunger. So throughout mm. the day, we need to see sunlight or light at various times, not just to set the, t- the clock in the morning, but also to kind of um, kind of continuously set the clock throughout the day and obviously at dusk and then into the evening. But apparently, it's a relatively recent discovery that light affects your mood or the lack thereof can affect your mood. So uh, it's it's a function that's associated with the perihabenular nucleus, which is a part of the brain that obviously we've known exists, but we don't really know much about its function. Um, and it turns out that what you're that's what you're hitting with light to boost your mood throughout the day. So you need to keep feeding your perihabenular nucleus all day long. So yeah, if you ever get to the end of the day and as the sun goes down, you know, you feel like you need to turn every single light on in the house. <laughs> you've, got a, you've got a hungry perihabenula <laughs> nucleus. nucleus. <laughs> you do. Yeah, basically, if you've ever had that um, that feeling, and I know, you know, certainly through winter that, that happens to me oh, quite God, a bit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and shift work, if you, are, if you are someone who, you know, works in, in whatever capacity, it shift work at night time, so you are – you know, you're plunged into darkness or artificial light through the majority of your day and then you're shutting out the light as much as you can through the day to try and get some sleep before your night shift again. Um, it, yeah, it can have a really, a really profound effect on on that whole concept of, of light hunger. Mm. Um, so if you are, you know, I guess like myself, fortunate enough that I I don't work shift work. Um, you know, getting getting some adequate exposure to light through the day is is so important. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, if you do have that feeling where, you know, at the end of the day, you're like Sarah and I, you don't do shift work, but at the end of the day and, and you just feel the need to turn every single light on in the house, it's possibly because your your eyes and your brain are instinctively telling you you need more light. You didn't get enough light today. Uh, they didn't They didn't get fed enough today. So uh, I guess, you know, being outdoors for gardening is is going to help with that, you know, that light hunger through the day mm. and it's going to help with that mood um, you know, on top of all the other things that gardening, you know, helps with in terms of mood, um, light is a big one, which is really interesting. So we need to be uh, fitness snacking. We need to be light <laughs> snacking. We need to feed our, <laughs> we need to feed our PHN. Um, yeah, that's great. Uh, just every time you say fitness snacking, though, I'm just like thinking about opening a pack, a packet of chips and snacking, <laughs> <laughs> snacking, snacking. Um, the in doing some research for this episode, I also found a really quick, really interesting interview uh, from ABCRN. I'll put the link in the show notes. Um, basically, 
the headline is why vacuuming can make a big difference to your health. Uh, but it's just a quick 12-minute interview with Tony Blazovich, the professor of biomechanics at Edith Cowan University. And he talks about this concept of non-exercise activity thermogenesis. Non-exercise activity thermogenesis, or NEAT, N-E-A-T um, for short. Basically, it means burning energy, which liberates heat in a metabolic process. And it includes all activity that's not deliberate exercise. He also mentioned a concept called NEPA, which is non-exercise physical activity. Again, same thing, spontaneous activity that's not in a deliberate setting. So mm. it might be that your favourite song comes on the TV and you stand up in the lounge room and dance like a lunatic for three minutes. That's different from that's spontaneous and you weren't planning it. Yeah. Whereas if you sign up for a dance class and you go to a yes. dance studio and do a dance session, that's obviously exercise. Um, so basically this concept of NEAT, non-exercise activity thermogenesis, um, can happen from any type of incidental activity. Walking, yes, gardening, he mentioned, vacuuming, even fidgeting. Um, yes, yeah. There, and, I, and I remember, sorry, Huberman, for stealing all of your content. Um, <laughs> thank you, Dr. Huberman. Um <laughs> I, I do remember an episode of the Huberman Lab podcast where he talked about fidgeting being a, you know, an enormous source of metabolic activity, really. Yes. Yes. And, you know, there's like people fidget all the time. I fidget all the time. I'm one of those people that um, I drive my husband insane when I'm going to sleep. My foot is, my foot's just, stop moving your foot. In talking about, um, Incidental activity, though, I think that my neighbours upstairs might be getting some in because they've been moving furniture around their apartment for the last hour. If you can hear any strange screeching, groaning noises in the background, <laughs> that's what that is. Every now and then I just hear this. Um, so they're obviously getting in some incidental, uh, some non-exercise activity thermogenesis. Um, yeah, basically what uh, Professor Blazovich is saying is any through-the-day movement counts as neat um, he also says, though, obviously it means that you're not going to get abs next week just from, you know, spending your days in the garden. Oh, Tony! <laughs> but the research is showing that consistent movement during the day has a profound impact on your health and body weight 20 to 30 years down the track. So that consistent movement doesn't have to be prescribed exercise per se. It literally means all of your movement during the day. So, you know, if you think about um if you think about going to get to get the groceries, walking, you know, to the bus stop, getting up and putting the dishes in the dishwasher, uh, putting the washing away, you know, all of those little things. Basically, he's talking about consistent through the day movement is kicking into gear that non-exercise activity thermogenesis, that that metabolic process, um, and that is crucial. Apparently, um he said the benefit of movement far outstrips any benefit you'll get from just burning energy or just losing body fat, which I thought was fascinating. So actually just moving all the time is more important than, say, focusing on, um, you know, doing a hit session or, you know, specifically trying to lose body fat. Is that incredible? I, it is. And I do think that that because we are so, like, it's so ingrained that exercise has to be, you know, prescriptive. It has to be at a particular time, in a particular place, wearing a particular outfit. I think that there is also the kind of the flip side danger that if you are someone that that is not like you or I and and you know regularly goes to the gym to do a you know a half hour session before work but then has an exceedingly sedentary life for the rest of the day that potentially there's probably benefit in just being 
more physically active consistently through the day and not doing any, you know, capital E exercise Mm. compared with, you know, those people that maybe do their, you know, go to the gym two or three times a week and think that they've ticked it off. Yes, 100%. Actually, I read somewhere recently that basically for every 10 minutes of sitting down during the day, you're actively undoing your prescribed exercise time. So even if you're sitting down right now, so that's (laughs) devastating. (laughs) So even if you do get your 22 to 44 every single day, but then you spend eight hours sitting at a desk, you are undoing what you've done. Yeah. So I guess that's what this this um, research from Tony mm. Blazovich kind of points out is that that consistent movement is so crucial. Uh, and I think that also helps though um, when if you think about your day and, you know, talking to, you know, lots of busy mums here yes, in particular that's exactly what I was thinking. who might that's feel exactly incredibly guilty about not getting – I'm talking to one directly in particular, my sister-in-law, <laughs> who sent me a photo the other day of her – like she'd, she'd set out in her diary for the week, um, you know, all the – she'd planned out her week of all the things that she needs to do with, you know, work and life and kids and everything. And she'd written, you know, on a couple of mornings of the week, 7 a.m., and she'd just written a.m. exercise. And then she sent me the screenshot of it and she was like, do you know how many of those AM exercise sessions I did? Uh, which was obviously none. And I was like, can I, for, for starters, can I just have a, have a moment to look at how busy that fucking week is? Like it was just chock-a-block full yeah, exactly, of notes exactly. and little things. But also they, those days are filled with a lot of movement, yes. you know, and, and that's good. That's what you need. And I think that's it sort of helps to to look at it this way, that that, that, that consistent through-the-day movement is a part of the process. I love it. That's so it's yeah, it's a it's a real mental mind shift change, but uh but I think yeah, I was thinking about mums. I wasn't thinking about that particular mum, but you make an excellent point. <laughs> um just, you know, how physically busy, how little time that most mums get to sit on their bum through the day. Yeah. Um how different that is to thinking about exercise in a really prescriptive way. Totally. And if you are someone who, you know, like Sarah and I, you do have a desk job, which does Mm. mean that you're sitting for long periods of the day. Um, It's just about thinking of ways that you can try to get up a bit more. You know, I know it sucks because you could be completely in the flow of of your day or, you know, like Sarah, you're you're literally stuck in consult, you know, in consult. So it's not like you can just, (laughs) excuse me, I just got to get up and take a walk around for (laughs) Just going to go do half an hour of gardening. Uh, You'll be, you'll be right. You're right with that chest pain for a while longer. Exactly. Week. <laughs> you're fine. You're fine. You know, I've, I've triaged you. You're fine. But like, that's the thing. It's, 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 it, it, look, it, it's always, it's not always possible when you have a desk job, you know, especially if you're, yeah, back to back meetings or the type of work that you do just means once you get into the flow, it's really counterproductive to get out yep. of the flow. Uh, but where you can take a toilet break, take a water break, you know, take, take a moment to like stand up and just talk to a colleague or, you know, walk down the hallway and back to your desk or whatever, go and walk outside to get some lunch and back or go and walk outside to eat your lunch. Uh, all of those little moments add up um, to this non-exercise activity thermogenesis it's a little it's a little fitness snacking all over again it is yes it is back to gardening though i do have a recommendation because obviously i mean you've moved to the country so you've got a bit more space now and i can't wait to see the the gardening adventures uh which i know are coming um i live in an apartment with you know an okay sized balcony but it's not massive i was gonna say you have great sun i have great sun i do have great sun (laughs) uh but I highly recommend um, a product called a Veggie Pod. When I first sent this to you, you were like, "Is this a 
veggie podcast? Like, what What do you mean by veggie pod? Um, veggie pod is, is a, I believe it was like one of those like shark tank inventions or something oh, yeah, like yeah. that. Uh, basically, it's just a completely self-contained um, little pod comes in a few different sizes uh, for balconies or small kind of backyard areas for, for growing your own food. It's like uh, a raised garden bed, isn't it? Yes, it, and, but when I say completely self-contained, it's it's moisture wicking. It's got like a tray Ooh. down the bottom, like so. There's no leakage anywhere. <laughs> so, so if you do live in a balcony and you can't just have water dripping yeah. from plants, you know, and staining tiles and all that kind of stuff, this is perfect for it. It also has its own cover, so you know, protecting from the elements and you know, bugs and possums and all kinds of stuff. Um, <laughs> yes, but you know, like, but people in the in the inner west where I happen to live, you know, who do who might have little backyards, little sort of terrace backyards or whatever you know they've they've set up sort of two or three of these and i see people posting about them all the time on instagram oh, look, it is the it vegetables is, that they're growing i was going to say it's incredible what you actually can achieve in a in a small space if you're interested in growing a little bit of your own food look mm. i don't know that you know you're not going to become self-sufficient with a veggie pot or two no but um but it's yeah it's it's such a life-affirming thing to do and you just reminded me that I do need to look into some barrier protection for my uh I've, at the moment, all we've done so far is planted some some leafy greens and some Aww. herbs. But it does but turn get out eaten? that yeah. the, uh, the the local possums <laughs> dined out on that the other night. <laughs> Left so two good. little two little possum poos next to my pot. I was like, thanks, <laughs> thanks very for your fertilizer much. <laughs> for next time for next time, so you can keep growing greens for them to eat. But uh, they're great. I love. Yeah, how I know that you lugged like multiple bags of potting mix up to your apartment to fill said veggie pod. Have you planted anything yet? Not yet. So it's still in the process. It's just a slow pro- – like I bought it before I was pregnant and then it sat there for a few months and then the other week I finally put it together and then I was like, okay, this is a slow process. The next step of the process is to get five – big bags of potting mix and lug them upstairs and fill the thing uh, and then of course we'll, we'll get on to we'll get on to planting some stuff which I'm very excited about now you know that process for me obviously once once it's actually physically planted there's not a whole lot of maintenance going on there and even that type of weeding because it's you know it's a it sits on a trolley, so it's. I was going to say it's beautiful. Height. It's it's because it's at hip height, though. You're also not going to be at risk of doing your back in whilst you're gardening. Oh no! Which oh my god! When I repotted some plants the other week, oh that was a workout. <laughs> <laughs> I repotted five pot plants, and my god, the next day I felt it. Uh, so you know, thinking about the veggie pod itself, it's probably not going to be what you'd call high, you know, high intensity um, exercise after it's set it's up. Not, it's not hoeing. No. <laughs> <laughs> She's not hoeing. She's not hoeing. But the setup itself would absolutely count. So, you know, if, if you are thinking of setting up projects in the yard or on the balcony, um, you know, that's when, once you do them, that's your exercise for that day. Like, you don't yeah. need to do any more that day. You don't have to go to the gym and you don't have to feel guilty that you haven't been to the gym no. on a day that you have been physically lugging all of this heavy stuff around. Yeah, and planting and, you know, just getting, getting your sunshine. Getting your, getting your vitamin D, getting a bit of... Improved bone density, improving your mood. What else? Thermogenesis. Reducing your, reducing your chance of having a heart attack. That like too, is, that's pretty good. Yeah. And you and get not some, to mention your perihabenular nucleus. Oh, yum, yum, yum. Getting all of its light fed. Uh, I, think we've, I think we've lost the plot. We have, we have. But anyway, gardening counts as exercise. Planting a plot, losing the plot. <laughs> we're, we're here for it. Cultivating, hoeing a plot. Oh, yes, gardening is exercise. 
Like You podcast is produced by me, Gab Burke, and music is by Hamish Cavallari. Thank you for listening to our little pod. You can subscribe to our weekly newsletter at womenlikeyoupodcast.com. Yes, actually, Sarah sent a newsletter recently uh, about our fitness snacking episode. Oh, yes. And we talked about the seven-minute workout in that episode, but then in the newsletter you offered something completely different, which I loved. Yes, there is a brilliant alternative to the seven-minute workout, which is called the seven-minute standing workout. And uh, and really, it's it, it's certainly similar in the sense that it's a full-body workout. It doesn't require any special equipment. All you need is a wall and a chair, but it's much, much lower intensity yes. than, the, uh, than the original namesake. Um, so instead of doing, you know, push-ups you're doing wall push-ups instead of doing deep squats you're doing squats with a chair as safety um instead of doing you know jumping jacks you're doing high knee raises so it's much lower impact on your joints even in the uh, the video that i watched which was published to the new york times and we'll, we'll get a link out there um it, it it even still has further modifications so if you are an absolute beginner and only have your seven minutes then this is something that i think you can you can modify to to absolute beginner status and uh, and then you can gradually kind of increase the intensity and then maybe it's a good stepping stone to work up to yes. the to the to the true seven minute workout which is much higher intensity and yeah. also a lot tougher on the joint so it might not be something that you want to work up to you know if you're in your 40s 50s or, or older you might want to to lay off the the jumping style exercises because of your knees and your hips so it's yeah it's a great alternative to the seven minute workout the seven minute standing workout i love it oh that's it yes oh thank you thank you all right shall we do this again next week yes please yes please i don't know what we'll talk about we'll we'll figure that out in due time i will we'll work we'll work it out we always do i love it i love chatting with you yeah you too all right my love we'll see you next week yes love you love you too bye bye Big name in the water.